Welcome to Ride Every Stride, Episode 17. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. And how are you doing now, Van? I am good. Thank you very much, Laura. Very well, thanks. Excellent. Uh, We were talking earlier today about a clinic that you did recently on the topics of fear, trust, and confidence. And you've mentioned that those are pretty common themes that come up in your conversations with the folks you work with, and that we thought maybe it'd be worthwhile to share a few thoughts with the listeners uh, on those themes. You bet, Laura. You know, it's one of my favorite topics because of the fact that so many people today have fears when it comes to their riding. And uh, a lot of times, if I kind of dig a little deeper, I'll find out that some of the fears they have oftentimes has to do with their horse. And when I listen to them, they'll also oftentimes even go further and say that their horses have fears and the fears that the horse experiences oftentimes triggers our fear. And when I think about people riding and I do a lot of questions when I, when I've got people in the clinics like this, I'll ask them, so, so what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid my horse is going to run away with me, or I'm afraid my horse is going to buck me off. And those are real fears. I mean, I don't think of anybody that could really enjoy a horse bolting away from them out of control. And, and at the same time, I can't imagine anybody wanting to get bucked off. You know, even your rodeo guys, they'd rather much have the pickup guys pick them up instead of getting bucked off at the end of a ride. So the reality is those are real fears. And regardless of what the fears are, in my mind, they're still real. They're at least real to you if you're the one experiencing the fear. And who is anybody else to tell you what you should and shouldn't be afraid of? Yeah. But if we can understand that about ourselves, then why can we dictate to our horse what they should and shouldn't be afraid of? In other words, if fears are real, it's just as real for us as it is for them. And in fact, because we are higher up on the food chain than the horses are, the fact that horses have fears is even more understandable in the sense that they have to rely on their keen sense of survival, and that sense of survival is triggered by their fear. Things to move away from and bolt away from and flee away from, that's what's kept them around all these years. So we have to understand that that instinct is so deeply ingrained inside of them for nothing more than just a sense of survival. Now, we have the same thing. We have that same sense of survival in the sense that whenever we see something that threatens that survival, we want to either fight it or get away from it. We want to avoid it if at all possible. And oftentimes, even if it's not a life or death situation, let's face it, we just don't want to get hurt. Yeah. You know, I, I've seen very, actually, I've never seen anybody get killed from getting bucked off a horse, but I'm sure it could happen. And therefore, that fear of the pain or that fear of ending one's life in that situation could very easily be real. So we want to acknowledge the fact that, okay, fear is real. But how do we deal with the fear? And that's where the trust and the confidence comes in. We have to acknowledge that the fear is real, but we also have to realize that over time, we can learn to manage that fear. And that's exactly what we want to try to get across to our horse. And that management of the fear is learning to gain trust in those around us. 
you know, horses, obviously being herd animals, they learn to watch and pick up on the energy of their herd to help them establish what they shouldn't, shouldn't be afraid of and how they learn to manage that fear based on the reaction of those around them. If, for example, one of the horses that are further down the ladder of hierarchy in a herd uh, happens to see the leader of the herd bolt away, then that instinctively is going to cause that horse to want to bolt away too. Not ask questions like, hey, what is that that he's afraid of? He's going to bolt away because the leader did. Now, I said that just to say this. If we establish a relationship with our horse, and that relationship is based on a leader versus a follower, or a leader and a follower, hopefully we are regarded in that relationship as the leader. And if that's the case, then we have to be very mindful of how we react to certain things that could otherwise trigger fears within ourselves or trigger fears within the horse. Because if he's looking at us as his leader, then things that happen to scare us will oftentimes trigger down and cause fear of the horse. So we have to learn to really manage those fears that are going on inside of us so that we don't inadvertently cue the horse, if you will, to be afraid also. And so we have to be very honest with ourselves. What are the things that we're most concerned about? What are the real threats of those fears? And then how do we learn to manage those fears? And we manage those fears by developing this relationship of trust, which then leads to the the confidence piece of it as over time, as our trust is rewarded, I guess, by good outcomes that, you know, those things that we trusted in worked out well, we develop more confidence in whatever we're doing. Absolutely. I mean, and the horse as well develops confidence in us. Right. And, you know, and here's the thing is that bridging that gap oftentimes involves also an environment. I, I hear a lot of folks say, well, I, when I'm riding my horse out on a trail and you know, something startles my horse and my horse is going to bolt away. Or I have the fear that he's going to bolt away. Now, that fear that you may have that the horse may bolt away is very real. I wonder how much leeway, I guess we could say, we want to give to the environment. Yeah, sure, the environment can affect both you as well as your horse. But, Laura, we don't have control of the environment. Yeah, I can't control whether or not a deer is going to pop out around that tree. But what I can control is how I respond to that deer that pops out around the tree, which in turn may put me in a position to control how my horse responds to both my fear or my startle, being startled, and then at the same time, how I control that in, in order to control the horse. So again, how we react and how we respond oftentimes will bridge that gap into, into trust. And that's what we want to shoot for. We want to shoot for more predictable responses. And those predictable responses helps us gain more and more confidence. So it's really this ongoing thing that's a constant development of a relationship between the two of us. But I don't want folks to get too awfully distracted about their environment. And I get tickled. You know, we, we pointed this out at a recent clinic is that when people oftentimes go to a new environment, they'll spend a fairly good amount of their time showing the horse all the things not to be afraid of. You know, they'll ride the horse or walk the horse around in the arena as if they're going to say, now you see this banner that's hanging here on the fence? Okay, we don't have one of those at home, so don't be afraid of that banner. Mm -hmm. And then they'll walk a horse maybe over to a trash can that's got a got a trash bag inside of it that's kind of flopping around. See this? Now, now don't be afraid of this horse because I don't want you to be afraid of that. We don't have one of those at home either. And before you know it, you've spent your majority of your time of that particular part of your ride showing all the horse, all the things to be afraid of, yeah. 
not what not to be afraid of. So what I tell people is that, you know, what if something new comes about that you didn't show your horse? How are you going to handle it then? And my solution to that is, is to create routines. In other words, at home, before you go to these other environments, create routines, whether they be on the ground or in the saddle, these little routine exercises. I, I call them little warm-up exercises. These warm-up exercises not only develop a little bit of a pattern for us, something that we can gain confidence in, but it's a pattern that also helps establish the mood. It establishes me as at this point in time of being the horse's leader. I'm telling him, you know what, this is a routine that we're doing here and we can do it at the next place and we can do it at the next arena. We can do it at the next trail ride. In other words, we're going to create these little patterns, these little exercises that the horse gets very used to doing. But what I like about teaching people to do that is that it helps us feel as if we are in control of our emotions. It helps us the horse gained confidence in us, even in a new environment. And then before long, we can begin to expand that environment. We can make it bigger and bigger and bigger. Before you know it now, instead of literally going around and showing all the horse the stuff that he shouldn't be afraid of, we're just riding the horse and we just happen to be passing all the things that we thought he might have been afraid of. Does that make sense at all? You know, to where, rather than showing him the things that he shouldn't be afraid of, just ride him as if there's no concern whatsoever because it's not about the environment. It's about the trust relationship you have between you and your horse and the trust that the horse has in you, even in that new environment. Well, and that's very similar. That kind of expands on the the themes of the things we talked about on a previous episode about the horse that bolts or the horse that bucks or all the, the things about getting the horse teaching the horse to pay attention to you instead of what's going on around. It's the same kind of thing, whether it's trying to get him the herd bound horse. We talked about it, yes. that same concept in that episode that the answer to those things is let the horse learn to pay attention to you and learn to trust that paying attention to you is a good thing, regardless of what's going on around. Right. I don't know. Not to be skeptical or anything, but I mean, I'm listening to the things you're saying and I know they're true. I know I've seen them work, but when you talk about, as you have today and at other times about, you know, being the leader in the relationship and all of that in, in the context of dealing with these fears, I always think, and this is probably terrible for me as the co-host of the show to say, that's easier said than done. I mean, I, for me to be the leader of a thousand pound animal, I'm five foot three, you know, <laughs> and you know, as well as anybody that th this topic is a pretty good one for me to hear about again, because I don't think you've ever worked with anybody that's more fearful <laughs> <laughs> than I have been. And so, you know, what do you say to those? And I know they come to you a lot. You have lots of people that come to you that are dealing with those fears that want to ride, that want to do these things and want to take that position of leadership with their horse and learn how to do all these things and maybe show or do trail rides or whatever, but they're scared spitless. What's the, it's easy to say, well, you develop trust and then you develop confidence. Well, first of all, depending on the level of that fear, we have to start somewhere, don't we? And it's, mm -hmm. it's literally this telling, I think that one of the biggest steps is just acknowledging that the fear exists. And I also want people to, to be okay with that fear. Don't beat themselves up on it. The other thing, though, is we also have to realize that once we acknowledge the fear, like I said, that might be the, one of the biggest steps is just acknowledging that it's there. But we also have to learn that in order to achieve our goals, we cannot allow that fear 
to hamper us from making forward progress toward what we want or what yeah. we even think we want. Or to paralyze us or to from paralyze even us. trying. Yeah. yeah. And then in, in doing so, we also have to think that in order for us to overcome that fear, and once we do acknowledge it, then we also have to start taking those little bitty tiny baby steps. I, I tell everybody probably the absolute worst way to handle fears is um, what I call the sink or swim method. Mm. You know, to where, and I've seen people do this, you know, by golly, I get back up on that horse. I don't want you to, you know, stay off the horse, get up there, get up there and do it anyway. Now, oftentimes then the person gets so handcuffed by that fear that they can't even respond. And then the horses begin to feel that as well. Or I've seen people that if the horse makes a mistake and flinches at something, not that the flinching of being afraid of something is a mistake, but they make the mistake of just being a horse and and feeling the need to bolt. And then we punish the horse for that. And then we go force the horse to go put his nose on whatever it is that's scared him. My question is, when you do that type of thing, what's damaged in that? What's damaged in that is is the trust. Because now the horse can't trust you in that environment. That if he's afraid of something, you're going to force him to go and try to overcome that. And now, even if he does overcome his fear of whatever that obstacle may be, question is, can he trust you now? So before you know it, now the horse is walking around being afraid to be afraid. And I've seen the same things happen with people. I've seen the same things happen, especially with little girls who are trying to please dad. And dad wants them to to do something and kind of really over-encourages a child to do something to the point to where the kid is doing it not for themselves and not for the sake of the development of a relationship with them and the horse, but just to please dad. And yet the fear then is so strong that they are overwhelmed by it. And before you know it, the relationship between dad and daughter is compromised because she's no longer doing it for herself. She's doing it only not to get in trouble by dad or not to disappoint dad. And she begins to put more and more burden on herself. And then at the same time, more and more burden on the relationship between daughter and dad. So I, I, again, the answer to that, it's not an easy one. It's not an easy solution, but it's just a step-by-step thing. I, I call it, a lot of times I'll call it what I call the yo-yo approach. You know, you take a step towards something that you really want to achieve and then step back and regain your composure. And then you challenge yourself just a little bit more and you push that envelope just a little bit further to the point where you can almost breathe normally again, which that's the most important thing is to continue to breathe and relax. I know, I know why you're laughing, Laura. Oh, goodness. I tell you, now's as good a time as any. Let's tell them a little bit about Laura McClellan coming well, to the Why I'm office. sitting behind this microphone. Exactly, there. yeah. Let's do that, yeah. Laura. Do you mind? Oh, I suppose. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I, I want to... Well, you know, part of the reason why we're doing this show together, as opposed to you doing it alone or with somebody else, is the history behind it and how we met when we, my husband and I, moved back to Texas after having been away for a while. And we had a couple horses, and one in particular was a young Palomino mare that needed to be trained. And um, I found you from some quote in Horse and Rider magazine. You had been quoted in some little sort of roundup article that they had done, and they had a little blurb on each of the clinicians and trainers that had contributed to the article. And I looked at those, and yours, it said, in Sulphur Springs, Texas. And I, so I looked that up, because I didn't know Texas well enough right. to know where it was. And I was like, that's not far. I wonder if he trains horses. And so we that's how we connected. You ended up training that horse for us, and then I was 
dumb and bought another uh, another mare uh, for myself that I thought <laughs> I needed to have. But you always have required, if you were training a horse, you wanted the owner out there once a week or so to have a lesson to ride the horse to work with you. And I wanted to ride. I'm, you know, the stereotypical horse crazy little girl when I was growing up. And I had had, had a pony when I was in like fifth grade, fifth and sixth grade, uh, and then hadn't had horses for many, many years. Just never lived where I could have them, couldn't afford them, married young, started my family and so on. But I'd finally reached this point in my life where I could have some horses, which was a lifelong dream. And um, so I was really psyched about coming up and having, you know, lessons with you and learning from you until literally until I got there and I, and you said, okay, well, get up in the saddle. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Uh, because I was terrified. Yeah. Everything that I wanted so badly to do, I was terrified to do. I was afraid of getting hurt. I was afraid of looking stupid in front of, you know, at that time we had just met. Uh, but mostly afraid of getting hurt. And afraid of failing at something I had wanted to do since I was a little girl. Yeah. And uh, you you were so patient most of the time <laughs> with me. Uh, we spent a lot of time, that, particularly that first summer, with you helping me deal with how scared I was to do this thing that I wanted so... Didn't want to do it badly. I wanted very badly to do it. You know, yeah, I, wanted, right. I wanted to be able to do it well. But I was paralyzed at times by how afraid I was of falling off, of you know, whatever. How would you have felt if somebody said, oh, that's silly. Quit worrying about those silly things and just get on with it. I, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been a surprise because that's what I told myself. You know, I, it, it w- so it wouldn't have helped. I would yeah. have probably just given up and gone back home and just always wished I could ride horses. Because to you, those fears were real, weren't yeah. they? I mean, oh, they, yeah. they were legitimate. You can get hurt with horses. It's a very big animal. And they're bigger, stronger, and faster than we are. So the reality of a horse hurting us, maybe not necessarily on purpose, but the fact that we could get hurt around them and even be hurt by them is very, very real. The fear of not being able to, and a lot of folks don't realize, I tell the women a lot of times that fear of being hurt isn't just from the fear of the pain. It's because if you get hurt bad enough, who's going to take care of my family? Yeah. Who's going to take care of my husband? Who's going to take care of my kids? Who's going to who's going to help take care of the household? Who's going to do my job at the office or wherever? Because we a lot of folks don't realize that the psyche of a woman oftentimes is that nurturing sort. And because she's a nurturer, the last thing she wants is to be disabled to the point where she can no longer nurture and care for her family and provide for her family. So it's not just the physical aspect of getting hurt and you know, dealing with the pain there, it's actually getting hurt to the point you can no longer do your job as a woman in, to, in today's world. Yeah, and that so, was, and, and it, the funny thing is, I had never thought about that. I'd never recognized that until that summer when you and I were working together and you were pointing that out. I was not the first woman you had worked with who dealt with those things. And in a way, that was a relief to me because I thought I was just being a big old baby. And until you described it to me in that way, and I thought, that's exactly right. Who's going to take care of my family 
if I'm incapacitated, right? Because I am out here, you know, doing this hobby, this dream of playing around with horses, and then I get myself hurt and leave my family uncared for. Right. And I think, if I remember correctly, how we started you on your journey there was baby steps. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember we just would get you on the horse. You may not remember what I did exactly, but we'd get you saddled up on the horse and we'd just sit there and talk. You're on a horse and I'm on a horse and I let you feel the fact that he might have to reach up and kick at a fly or swish his tail. <laughs> and I laughed because I remember actually the very first time Scooter was the gilding that we used for you that time. He was my horse. And and when he when he kicked up at a fly, what's he doing? Oh my gosh, what's... <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> and uh, and again, that's, you know, and I got to be honest, in the back of my mind, I really want to laugh, but I also have to realize that's real to you, yeah. that there is something that was unknown. Yeah. And it's that, that lack of knowing that oftentimes causes us to question our confidence, yeah. confidence in ourselves. And in this case, you didn't know my horse well enough to have a lot of confidence in him. So it took some time and because he... We've got the fear on one end of the scale. We've got the confidence on the other end of the scale. What we hadn't done yet is create that bridge in the middle of trust. And that just takes time. That takes the time of exposure to the animal. That takes time of your exposure to your environment. And takes time and exposure even to the equipment and everything else that's involved. You just kind of have to be around it enough to where you realize that, okay, I can trust this horse. I can trust myself to make good decisions in presence of this horse and vice versa. And as we do that, then suddenly we can start seeing that confidence side come out. And I do remember that it was very small steps because when I first came out there, I was afraid of everything about the horse that I loved so much. And it drove me crazy because I remembered being, when I was a little kid, you know, I had my little pony and I'd go out in the field wherever it was grazing, no tack of any kind, and just climb up on its back and just sit there while it wandered around doing its thing. And it never occurred to me that I was going to get hurt. And now, fast forward all these years later, and I was afraid of being around the horse as much as I wanted to be there. And I remember you spent a lot of time having me just mess with the horse on the ground and work on those things. And at first I felt very self-conscious and very incompetent. But every time I'd come out there, you'd have me do those same things on the ground. And it got to the point to where, okay, now these things, yeah, I know how to do this. No problem. I got this van. You go do what you're doing. I'll take care of this part of it. And then we get to the next step and the next step. Um, And you stretched me a little bit every time to the point that I still have vivid memories. Uh, This one thing that I wanted so badly to be able to do, the memories from when I was a little girl of, you know, galloping across the pasture, hair flying and everything, and that I wanted to be able to do that. I wanted to feel that again and was so scared. And the first time you said, okay, you know, do that, we trotted for I don't know, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And when we first did that, I was afraid of that. But you had me do that so much that it got to the point that, yep, I got this. This I know how to sit this. Um, I know how to do this. I know what to do with that. And I remember the first time you said, all right, this is what you're going to do. Let's move up into the lope. And I thought, I I. I don't remember if I said it. I probably did. But I thought, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm going to die. Oh, believe me, Lon. You said I can't <laughs> more than any successful person I've ever known in my life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Isn't that funny? You commented on that more than once, how often it is 
that you hear from women who are successful in their professions or in other areas of their life and so lacking in confidence to yeah. do this little, what to you, I guess, is a little thing. But what a life-changing thing it was for me as time progressed over the course of that summer, the first time that I loped. I mean, I cried. Yeah. You remember? Yes, when, I did. when you let me stop, I sat there and I cried because I was so, I had done this thing I'd been dreaming of and imagining and was afraid of, and I had lived to tell the tale. And it just was such a sense of accomplishment and of freedom. It was life changing to yeah. me in a lot of ways, not just having to do with the horse, you know, riding the horse. Well, and to me, I think another thing at that moment, what I saw and what I was just as proud of as anything, not that you loped and that you fulfilled what you'd want, wanted to do since you were very young, but the fact that you battled and you overcame mm -hmm. the fear to do that because it was very challenging for you. And yeah. for you to be able to do that, number one, showed a great amount of what I call stick to -itiveness. You know, you stuck with it and you pretty much forced yourself to face your fears mm -hmm. And, uh, and I've, I, you know, obviously all these years later, I still applaud you for that because I saw the struggles because so, those struggles were real to you. And, if, yeah. and don't get me wrong. I say real to you, but they are real and not just the struggles, but the battling of the, of the demons of fear, if you will. And for you to have to face those and then challenge yourself every day to overcome those, that to me was the most rewarding part from my perspective is to seeing the fact that not that you loped but you achieve your goal by overcoming your fears. Yeah. And I've, I've seen so many people in so many other areas of their life that fear restricts them from so many things. And oftentimes the fear and the thinking of the fear is much, much worse than the reality. Yeah. And, and so to see people look fear in the face, so to speak, and then to challenge it and then to push the envelope to the point, not to the point of danger, I don't ever recommend that with anybody, especially when you're working with big horses and that sort of thing, not to the point of danger, but just to the point to where you're just pushing that envelope to achieve that goal step by step by step. And that to me was the greatest accomplishment you did that summer. It was phenomenal yeah. to see. Yeah. You know, it's something I still look back on and I think of from time to time when I'm in other situations uh, that cause me to need to do something that I'm afraid of. Yeah. And uh, to have that memory of that thing that I, and it wasn't easy. I mean, it's, you can't tell somebody to just say, well, feel the fear and do it anyway. That's not enough. That's not helpful. I don't know what it is that, that is helpful other than the fact that we did one little step at a time and, you know, get comfortable with this little piece of it and then add one more little thing. And uh, take one little tiny step in the direction of the thing that scares you. And in the case of what we were talking about, part of it was that I had developed some trust in you as a teacher that you weren't going to ask me to do something that would kill me. Yeah. And so there's some relevance there in life in general, but people that are, you know, we're talking, this is a horsemanship podcast. So talking about that. Certainly, if somebody is struggling with fears about something that they want to do with their horses, I would think it's pretty important to find somebody with some experience and some, you know, some ability to help them through that process, somebody that they can trust. But you don't go from zero to 90 
overnight. Right. You don't do it overnight, that's for sure. And yet, if you think about it, we did chip away at that pretty persistently. Yeah. Because in a really relatively short period of time, you went from handling a horse on the ground to cantering in one summer. Yeah. And yet, it was never done to the point to where it was ever dangerous, I guess you could say. In right. other words, we, we did it one step at a time. And yet, I've known a lot of folks that would take almost years to achieve the same thing. And I think the, the, the key there is, is that, first of all, we can't really put a time limit on anything like that. You did exactly what you could do within the time limit that you had. Not necessarily the time limit, but the time frame that was best suited for you. And um, and that's another thing I want to really emphasize is that I want folks to, to challenge themselves to the point to where they think they've got to do it because their friend did it in a month or mm-hmm. two months. Whatever works good for you, but I will challenge people to push their envelope. Yeah. Not to the point of danger, but to push their envelope to challenge themselves because the rewards afterwards are just yeah, it's, it's it's amazing. And the challenging part or the, the, the part that can be tricky about it is knowing where is that line yeah. between making excuses to stay within your comfort zone or, on the other hand, being foolhardy and right. taking on something you're not equipped for. And I think that was the difference. Yeah, we made that transition or, you know, made that journey, I guess, in a, a relatively short period of time in the sense of it being over the course of one summer. We spent a lot of time working over right. the course of that summer, but it was one little step at a time. And you would push me every time just a little bit farther than I thought I could do. Right. And I've had a similar experience in working with a personal trainer at the gym who um, there was a certain goal, something I wanted to accomplish. He would ask me to do just a few more reps than I thought were, I could do. Right. And I would push trying to live up to that expectation and the reward of saying, wow, I did that thing. Right. You know, whether, and so whether it's horsemanship or anything else, the achievements there, I wish I could think of what the quote is. I've seen it on Facebook or something, but you know, all the greatest things uh, in life are just outside your comfort zone. Right. Yeah. You know, and sometimes for some people uh, that takes having somebody else to come alongside you and help encourage you, not push you to the breaking point, but just a little bit farther than you thought you could go. And with that said, I'd really like to encourage people to find that partner, you know, whether it be a coach or, you know, another trainer, whatever the case may be, but take care in selecting that person too, because it does need to be a good match. And since we're talking about the horses, is it's also a very good match to find the right horse? Mm -hmm. Because if either one of those are wrong, then we really run the risk of, basically increasing that fear as opposed to chipping away at it. And I, I think we feel very blessed that, you know, you and I found each other. Thank goodness for that horse and rider article, because I think it uh, it was a good match that summer. And I think it really worked well. Yeah. And it was very rewarding for me. I hope it was rewarding for you because it was very, very rewarding for me. And, but I, I would want to encourage people to take your time in finding that support person, whether it be a professional or otherwise that knows you well enough or that can read you well enough to push without pushing you beyond yeah. the point of the brink of danger, I guess you could say. Because what a, I don't know, what a great thing it is to accomplish something that you've dreamed about and imagined, but been too afraid to try. I have friends who ride as well, who love horses, who have similar kinds of stories yeah. to tell of, oh, I want to do this, but I'm just so afraid. And 
that this process that you know we, there's not enough time. You do whole clinics on the 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 topic and the the process of moving from fear through trust to confidence and what an impact that can have on your whole life, yeah. and on, on every aspect of your life. And it really it was a turning point for me. Not just with the horsemanship. That's almost even though that was the focus and that was the dream. I thought it was a turning point for me as a person. Um, the things I learned from facing that fear in an environment where I felt supported and overcoming that and pushing through that terror (laughs) (laughs) to get to the the great things that were on the other side of it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, Laura, I tell you, um, I think you've got some announcements, right? uh... Yeah, just a couple things to to remind listeners how much you enjoy hearing from them and how important it is that their feedback be heard. And there are a number of ways, if they've got questions, follow-up things from something we've talked about or a question or an issue that they're dealing with with their horses that you'd like to hear Van talk about in a future episode, anything like that, recommendations of anything. You can reach out to us in a couple of different ways via email. You can reach us at info at vanhargis.com. And you can also find us on Facebook Look for vanhargishorsemanship.com and like that page. Watch for announcements and things there. You can leave a post if you've got a question. That's uh, we, He watches that and responds. And always you can check out the website, vanhargis.com. You find a lot of information there. There are ways there to find out where Van is, what events he's going to be speaking at, clinics that he'll be leading and different things like that. You can also see if you're interested in having Van come to your community to do a clinic. There's no better way than uh, to learn from somebody like him than a concentrated time at a, of a clinic of a weekend or so. And there are ways that you can find out to do that on the website. And you can also find the show notes for the Ride Every Stride podcast there. So vanhargis.com info at vanhargis.com or vanhargis horsemanship on facebook all those things are ways that you can reach out and connect with van and i think that's basically it any last words well i guess laura i just want to tell everybody most importantly just to have fun with your horses enjoy them and of course in doing so strive to be your best and for both your sake as well as for your horse's sake and as always remember that it's your trail your journey and your life So ride every stride.